Welcome to the Wake the F Up podcast with Alex and Jamie, where we talk about living consciously and helping people uncover their essential self so they can stop sleepwalking through life. On this podcast, we're having raw conversations about difficult topics. Our goal is to create a safe space where our guests can talk about real problems and issues and how they decided to wake the F up and become mindfulness experts through their own emotional healing journey. Welcome back to Wake the F Up podcast. I'm your host, Alex, along with my co-host, Jamie. And this is part two of our conversation with my husband, David Long. He's our first male guest, and he's here with us to talk about grief, waking up, therapy, and everything that his healing journey has entailed. If you missed part one last week, I'd love for you to go back and listen to it. You'll get to hear so many great insights about societal expectations of masculinity and the importance of open communication in relationships. And uh... what would someone have said about you before this interview if they had met you 10 years ago? Um, like a stranger, hundred percent sure they would have said that I was an asshole. Hundred percent, hundred percent. That was always the first impression, and I went with that because it kept people at a distance and it kept them from telling me how they felt and asking me how I felt, which I was scared to death to tell. So, um, since but you- I, I, I came from a house like a lot of people where telling people how you felt was not only not encouraged, it it was actively discouraged. I mean, that was definitely not something that happened in our family. Um, And I think that's very, very common of that generation. Um, uh, And that's, I don't know if it's a World War II thing or, or what, but there's some like ancient trauma for that generation that's fantastically scared of their feelings. Um, For sure. So if you were to, sorry. No, go ahead. So have you had discussions with other men about going to therapy, like opened up and told them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. For sure. Many, 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 many. And what kind uh, of responses do you get? It's usually positive. Um, but you know, there there's a reality of therapy as well, which is good, uh, really good, open, available practitioners. It's not as widely available as you think. Now, it's, I think it's improved with COVID. Um, they're impossible. But, <laughs> yeah, they're hard to find. Um, so, you know, one of the things I love about this podcast and the app is that it's it's a mechanism to kind of dip your toe in without, um, now I'm not, I don't mean to be pitching it, but the-, the Pitch away. It's pitch, a, yeah, like, pitch away. <laughs> it's a mechanism to dip your toe in that I might have explored. I would have never told Betsy, but I might have explored, um, particularly the meditations and stuff like that that are a little bit less threatening. Um, so I really have high hopes that this, and there's, you know, I don't know, I, I also get this feed on my Facebook and yeah, I'm 49, so I use Facebook. I'm not ashamed of that. Um, I always tell them, I'm like, that's your demographic. <laughs> I get this, I get this feed about the thing called, Mine too, actually. there's this thing called man therapy. It's actually a, it's a, it's not an app. It's a, um, it's a collection of therapists that kind of promote therapy for men. And I love their little tagline is uh, man therapy. Yeah. Uh, breaking news. Men have, men have feelings too. And it's, it really is breaking news. Honestly. I mean, for a lot of people, it's a shock. Um, but yeah, I think a lot of the men my age, um, 
you know, probably 10 years before, 10 years after are much more open. And of course, that's kind of the ripe age for a man, right? That's when your coping strategies when you were younger and no longer working. Um, and you're probably still married to the same person and it's not working, you know? And, and so I think um, necessity is definitely the, the um, driver of innovation. And I think people need to be connected. There's an innate need for people to be connected. I was so lonely um, before. I didn't even know how lonely I, I was. So lonely all the time. Um, and there's nothing worse than being lonely with a full house. Yeah, it's a really terrible feeling. Um, and uh, even and it inundates everything with my with my kids. Everything. My therapy has really. Like for example, one of the one of the um, like aha moments with my therapist was I was really struggling. Actually, the main justification for me to go to therapy was I was really struggling with the kids. I, we were fighting a lot. Um, they just didn't seem to be participating in what I had um, concocted as a plan of survival. And uh, so when I started talking to my therapist, you know, she was like. She told me two things. Number one, um, why are you struggling with your children? I was like, well, they're not happy. They lost their mom. I can't, I can't make them happy. Spend all day, every day trying to make them happy, and I, I can't make them happy. And she told me, well, you know, your kid's happiness is not your responsibility. And I was flabbergasted by that statement. It floored me. Um, and I was like, are you sure? Because I've spent the prior 46 years really trying to provide them with happiness. And, uh, and she said, well, how's it working out? And I was like, fuck, it's not working. It's not working. They're unhappy. I'm unhappy. I suck at making them. And that was my conclusion was that I suck at making them happy. And she was like, no, you, you can't make them happy. Happiness is an individual choice. And they, you, what you can do is provide an environment and give them the opportunity to choose happiness. But at the end of the day, they have to choose it. And that literally blew my mind. And I have told people that, because, you know, people complain about their kids. You know, they tell you, you know, my kid uh, uh, bit this other kid at school and, um, or my kid is uh, whatever, you know. They're, We're going there today. Yeah, the other, the struggles <laughs> with the kids, you know. And, and I, I was like, well, you know, what are you doing about it? And then they tell you what they're doing about it. You're like, so you really just want your kids to be happy, right? And then, yeah, I want my kids. Well, you know, you you got to let that go because you can't make them happy. They have to make themselves happy, and that blew my mind. Um, and then the other thing she told me in regards to the kids was, um, it seems so stupid to say it now, but she said, "You know, your kids lost their mom." <laughs> For for a long time, I I thought I was the only one grieving, you know. And it never dawned on me that um, not only were they grieving, but it, in a lot of ways, it was way worse than my grief, you know. That uh, my daughter told me once that when Alex and I started dating, and I was happy, you know. She told me that it, it wasn't fair because. Uh, because I got to be happy with Alex and that no matter what, she would never have a mom. 
so I really, you know, I, I wasn't prepared to deal with their grief. You know, I wasn't prepared to um, even accept the fact that they were grieving and, uh, and to accept the fact that it was different than my grief. Very, very different. I mean, it's, they're so different. They're really unrelated. The, the parent kid bond and the spousal bond is very different. Mm-hmm. And I didn't, I had no concept of that. So I could go on and on with the things that Janice taught me, but that, those are two big ones that came like right in the beginning. And uh, it immediately helped. It immediately helped. I stopped trying to make them happy. And one by one, they started choosing their own happiness and figuring out their way to be happy without their mom, um, which was really hard. It's still hard, but yeah. it's a daily choice that we all make in this family. And um Anyway, the, I don't remember what the point was, but the point is that therapy can be, so I, I have shared those revelations with other people. And when I do, they, they hear, they know, they, it makes sense, right? When I tell you, it makes sense, right? You've never, um, you know, lost a spouse, but it, 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 it clicks because it's universal. It's um, a lot of these things that we talk about are universal. We just shove them down. But well, and they, grief is universal. People often, universal. one of my actually very best friends told me, well, I can't listen to your podcast really because, you know, like I just, I'm not really going through grief like that. And I, I had to really chew on that for a minute. And I was like, yeah, but yeah, you are like everyone is it, not everyone will lose their spouse, you know, early or not everyone will lose their family life or have these tragedies, but you will have a loss and we are going through microcosms of losses every minute of every second of every day. You know, like our last podcast was so poignant to me because it was, that was the most universal probably topic on grief we've gone through, which is fertility and the loss of the idea of something you really want, but aren't able to have. So you lost your birth pictures. You lost those moments that you wanted. I lost being 30 and being able to have a baby in a normal family and being a a mom who was in a normal 30 hustle. Um, You know, everybody in the world has those losses and they are hurtful and painful and grieving. And they, they, the pain wears on you, you know, and I recorded a awesome meditation today. I felt like literally some kind of external spirit was dropping in me about something that just literally like hit me inside the meditation as though I swear, like if there is a higher power, it was coming through me in this, this meditation. Now it dawned on me in the meditation, you know, the body is a vessel, which, you know, Callie's always using her company as like vessel. And obviously there's this inner essence and and my sweet atheist husband and friends may not agree with me as I'm about to go down some woo woo shit, but regardless. You just I like the woo-woo shit. <laughs> well, it dawned on me that no matter what your thoughts are on afterlife, the body is just the external vessel, right? There is a deeper essence inside of us. And whether that's like of the divinity, like I believe it is something that's untouchable that's inside of us. It's so powerful. And, and when I'm thinking about grief for tomorrow, um, I freaking have COVID and have been having to quarantine away from my children for five days. And one of my children has it because we've got it in New York. And one of my kids, my one who's struggling the most does not have it. So I have not been able to hug her for five days. It's been challenging. 
And I've been in pain about that. And I think about pain today in this meditation. And I was thinking about this inner part of like the deepest pain I've felt. It weighs on my body, right? Like it weighs on my physical, everything, cellular makeup. I can feel it. I can literally like, I can describe it as though it is a physical manifestation of what I've been through. And I think every listener has a pain in their life that's on them, in them, in their vessel marked on the cellular divinity within, right? But what I've learned in five years of grieving fucking hard wide open, whatever that energy, deep divinity inside of us, there is a place deep inside if you're quiet enough and you can get there. And I feel like close my eyes to get this thought out because I have ADD. It is so powerful when you get to that place because nothing can touch you there right? That's the place where all the love and the light and that like positive energy will pull you out from death walk, will pull you away from suicide, will take you away to making the choice to love again. It's like, that is the part of you that stays up all night with your sick baby in the NICU keeping you alive. There is something in us that will survive. And it's, and it's, it's out of the body experiences. It's like, I'm beyond the weakness and the, the external world feeling. And I'm, I tapped into that in this meditation saying that like we can release the pain is held in the cells of our body, but there is a part of us so deep inside that it can scream out and choose life and, and, and healing. And I really, really believe that in my year five and in this marriage and in our company. And like, I've been making these damn reels that take me five hours and like watching us run down this beach to create and what we've created. And it's like, well, yeah, we have $57 in our bank account potentially right now, but what we've created from nothing and from the belief is that, is that spark inside, is that energy inside that is crying out that like, I knew in honor of Carl, I had to make this help people. And every one of us inside of ourselves, you don't need per se a therapist. I think a therapist is such a mirror and that's why it's important because it's really hard to know what you're seeing for a long time. My therapist helped me see myself and then quiet that brain voice that is always telling me I'm not good enough. And when I go deep down, drop in to that divinity for my atheist friends, that like essential self, the truest you that's un- that's lovable everywhere. That's the part of you that can handle anything. I just to go back to go. This is <laughs> no, he's atheist. I'm interested. This in your is apropos to your prior question about like how how can we how do you engage men in this process? And Don't I, say those kind of things. And I, yeah, and so I do think that the, the yeah the, he said yeah <laughs> that the, the verbiage is important. Um, men tend to be very concrete thinkers, and we want to do a plus b equals c, maybe with a parentheses around a plus b, but that's about as complicated as it's going to get. You know. Um, but I have learned in this journey over the last several years with Alex that with a mild amount of translation, it doesn't require hardly any imagination to translate it into man speak, if you will. Um, she thinks and feels the exact same way I do all the time. And she says things all the time, but I'm like, yeah, I totally get that. This is the way I would say it. And it sounds, it's exactly the same thing. It's just with different words. Men generally are going to hear the moon package thing and be like that's bullshit you know like for, for example when we used to talk 
um, Alex would say, you know, do you think that Carl and Betsy are watching over us and, and guiding us, right? I don't believe that personally, that they're like looking on us and stuff. But what I do believe in this absolute truth is that their influence is 100% there every second, every day. And that's really what you mean, right? People watching over you and maybe interacting with you, that's an influence, right? And you can call it their, you know, in the clouds with their sandals and their bath towels or- Bath towels? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no biblical reference. <laughs> their bathrobes, whatever. And, or you can say, yeah, you know, I feel their influence. And I, I, I feel I've never met Carl. And do I feel his influence in my life and in this family every day? Every so day. something I did want to say with Alex, I know the the hoo-hoo stuff, but. <laughs> Isn't a hoo-hoo your vagina? Okay, well, when I was in, it connected back to when I was doing in yoga training I can't even remember like how the weekend went, but you know, but we read the untethered soul and they call it, we are, I think it's kind of the same thing of what you're saying. It's our all our individual spark, right? Because, and it just sounds so simple and it's sort of like no shit, Jamie statement. But when you really think about it, I don't know, it sticks with me. And I think about it often just cause I, I think about death often too, which whatever. Um, but whenever somebody dies, and you, you know, it's not their body that you miss. Like whenever they're, when they're laid in the bed and they pass away, it's, it's not the body. It's the who, it's the, what their spark that you miss. It's what makes them them. And I know it sounds so no shit, but, but it is like, no, if you really think about it, what is that that's in them that you love so much and you miss so much? It's not their body. It's not. Even it's even for you to say, oh, well, they were so funny. They always, you know, they're always making jokes. It's their spark, though, and it's it's hard to even put like a real word and definition to it. Well, that the essence, encompasses the essence all of, that. of yeah, who they are is encompassed in a vessel, and you will miss, you do miss the physicality that's behind that. But the physicality of the body is matched with the personality. Yeah. it's not their, it's not the body that you're losing. It's right. what makes that body different from the body next to it. Well, I think it's important, no matter what your belief system are, is that we remind her that like, A, we're hard on our bodies, right? We, we all are. We have to be a certain way. And we're always, it's just like our mind is never stopping with that. But like, I try to reframe that a lot in, in my teaching of Pilates and, and a lot of the work that we do is, and my daughter this morning being like, look at your body. You're not fat. Like your body... Look at all the life that this body is carrying you through. And and then look, as I say this, I have to tell myself this a lot too, because I struggle like any other normal human. I am hard on myself and feel fat and need to work out more and I do this, shouldn't have eaten that. Like I, I do the same diatribe that the rest of us do because I feel like the voice of society and the voice of our mothers are often in our heads about our body image oh, yes. or whoever it was that was speaking to you at a young age telling you, you were supposed to be and you weren't quite there. But I do believe cancer journey and watching Carl lose his body in such a suffering way really got me to realize like, we're really blessed. We're really blessed when we have the ability to move and the ability to breathe and the ability to eat and smell and love and hug and hold and stand up and drive and like all these faculties that we 
just take for granted, you know? And that's, that's the universal blessing that comes from loss. Like nobody wants anybody to love to go through what we've been through, but you, when you do go through it, it forces an awakening in you to say like the most mundane things. I always say this, our holidays and our home are incredibly sad. They never are going to be what I want them to be or the picture card that I used to actually have with like my first family. You know, we were so naive. It was always like, you know, the star was up, lights, presents, the dinner, singing the songs and looking like a Norman Rockwell painting. But our everyday cards, coffees, little things like breathing, holding in the morning, I say this a lot. If everyone in the universe could start to look at the fragility of life and you don't have to have had a big loss, you just have to watch anything crazy like that happen far away from you and say to yourself, like, what would it feel like if that happened to me? Like, what would I miss in my home, you know, in my world that I've created? And how could I wake up today and honor the heart that's beating in my chest because I'm here for a reason and I'm alive and I, I get to choose my life, my happiness, my, my marriage. I my... think, I think for a lot of people, it's a very, very scary thought. It's very scary. Yeah. I think about it too often and that's where I like try to, I don't know. Then you have to, push I, it but yeah, because then you start thinking, you're like, you start overthinking things too. And you're like, am I doing what? You know, like, am I fulfilling myself? And I think that's what my best friend can't listen to. She's like, I think she overthinks it. And it's like, and I don't mean go like rip your life apart and change your job. I mean, like get up and step outside and let the sunshine hit your face and be like, it's a really nice day. Smells yeah. good in my yard. My husband's nice. My son's Something actually- that I want to add to our app that I've been thinking about a lot this week from a yoga class I took recently is a gratitude chain exercise to just follow that chain all the way down the and the dharma she used you know that you got here to this mat but not just being grateful that you're here at the mat but are you grateful for the car that got you here or what about the gas in the car and the man who drove the gas truck to the gas station to like do those little gratitude chains throughout your day and i think that's a a more positive way to look at it that would be a really nice little deal i think and i believe in the power of of our thoughts i believe in the power of our of of what gratitude can do it really is yeah because the truth is that's where the that's where the fear chart ends yeah that i know the fear chart ends right before you get to the gratitude part right i always stop at that sad part i guess that's the morbid in me jamie's like the action steps i'm like oh all I needed was the, I mean, I think I'm generally, generally like so emotionally welling up all the time. I'm just an emotionally deep person that I always feel sort of this mix between sadness and gratitude. That might be just who I am. Yeah. I mean, and sometimes I remind you about it and sometimes you remind me about it. It's nice. Yeah. When you start pancake stacking and I just remind you. David calls my anxiety stack. So when I stack like 87 problems, a pancake stack. Mm-hmm. I've heard this before. From yeah. <laughs> so for the listeners out there, you might be suffering from your own pancake stack. I do that a lot. It always seems to actually, 
oddly enough, come at the same time of the month, if you know what I'm saying. And I stack 87 problems all at once. My life's a whole disaster. And then like four days later, I'm like, you know what? Everything's we're okay. Yeah, gratitude Bye. comes, right? <laughs> I think it, I've, I stacked out on Jamie the other day. But He's again, like, that's kind of back to, you know, I still, I keep going back to Untethered Soul Book and what you said about inside of you, that divinity, but it's being the the watcher, the listener of yourself. Right. Yeah. And like watching yourself do your pancake stacks and yeah. know and identifying that and just yeah. practice. That's yeah. the wake up moment for everyone. You don't have to have a major tragedy in your life to wake up. So the I want to stack in that meditation. I'm literally going to link it because that was literally what the whole meditation was. You, you, the divinity coming out of you. So the deeper part of you that knows, the knower, looking down at the body and watching the pain escape that was like this whole meditation which was so interesting because in true mindfulness when we're like Eckhart Tolle all of the things being the watcher of yourself is the awakening that's all it requires it's not very complicated it's very hard to practice but it's not hard concept just watch yourself in moments when you're losing control when your anxiety is out of control when you're not being the partner you really want to be and you're saying things that really you don't like when you push your husband away and you really want to hug Little kids do this all the time. Adults do this all the time too. You're like, go fuck yourself. You're actually really scared, sad. Something else is wrong and you just can't say it to the person and just need a minute. Like instead of being like, hey, I just need a minute because I'm so sad and I actually don't know what's wrong with me right now. And I'm about to lash on you. I'm going to take two seconds and then I might need a hug. Like, why don't we just watch ourselves and say what we need? It's hard. But you can't say what you need until you watch yourself. You can't say what you need until you pay attention. And that requires stillness and, and taking a pause. Yeah. I mean, even this is like, it's funny because we just had Jennifer on, but on Sunday I went to her class at glow and it was packed. I mean, it was the most packed class I have ever been to in that studio, probably the most packed class I've ever been to for yoga. And usually as everyone knows, I don't like to be hugged and I don't like my bubble to be, you know, involved with anyone else's bubble, but our mats were right on top of each other. We were like so close. And usually every fiber of me would say, well, let me roll up the mat and get out of here. Um, I stayed. And in her Dharma, it was all about being the watcher. And so to, instead of looking around me, you know, and at all these people, it was trying to take, like you were saying outside of myself and look down on me and look down on my body. I was moving, but the exercise of having to do that. I don't know how to explain it, but it was really, it was powerful because it took away from the anxiety of being that close to other people. And I don't know. I don't even know where I was going with this. Think about the brain pathways. When you go outside to look down, it almost takes away the chatter. Yeah. It's a very Buddhist mentality. You're outside yourself looking at yourself. So it takes the brain focal point back inside, but not in the head. Well, and I think that's kind of the point. So that exercise is always, I think, kind of hard for people to maybe um, visualize and to actually participate in, but trying to do it through that whole 60 minute flow and trust me, her classes are freaking kick-ass. Like you're hurting after in a good way, but having to do that exercise physically while moving, it almost impacted me more and it stuck with me longer I felt like it it applied I don't know I took it with me for much longer and using that I don't know if that could help someone else if you have a hard time anyone out there listening 
actually understanding with what we're saying by being the watcher or the listener of yourself it's a practice I would advise Very you much. to try it was and different I say, David and I obviously share the same therapist when we first met he didn't have a therapist so I shared mine with him um that was the first so I just Carl had just had big surgery I was in hives from head to toe I was in out of control okay just like I can't describe any more out of control in my life I've ever felt than in that moment. I could not calm down panic attacks. I weighed 105 pounds. I couldn't swallow. Like I was out of control, had a breastfeeding baby, you know, just so many things were crazy and out of control in my life. And I think that's a massive, I have felt out of control well before cancer ever hit my world internally in the smallest ways that would make me ashamed. Like, to admit to a person of cancer. So I want our listeners to know, like, you don't have to have a big thing because I felt that same similar I, out of control in many times of my life. I didn't recognize it then that it's the same until I got really pretty sick. But the thing that she told me was to practice that just being the watcher and being the watcher of how you feel, like, how does my body feel? Mm-hmm. What emotions are coming up? And that's enough. Just practice Even that. meditation, if you can't meditate, because I know yeah. a lot of people are like, that's not for them. But if you could just quiet down and just pay mm-hmm. attention to the thoughts that come into your mind. That's right. And that's all you can do. And that's like such a simple little step that you can do when you're trying to go to sleep. I think that's probably what I most often. I think body about. sensations, like is my stomach gurgling? Do I feel pain in my right thigh? Like getting out of your head, not even the thoughts too. Because like truth, when I was like in straight anxiety train, my thoughts were out of control and they were like I'm gonna die it's not okay how am I gonna live like the crazy voice but I think when you're like what does my stomach feel like my legs and you just like just the physical that's a step one and when you can, can reconnect with your body then you can go outside of the body and do this watching of the body because I think you gotta get in the body and then you can get out of it does that make sense yeah no I get it <laughs> I was just trying to like I think that's what I was trying to tie it out to is if the, one way is not working for you, here's another option. <laughs> and David, we've totally got off of. We're on okay. okay. Let's let David end on some yes, kind of. David, you wrap know. us up. What is some round us out? He's very thoughtful. Yes, we are very chatty. Okay. Close us out. Um. What do you want to tell the listeners about your healing, about your grief, about your life, about what you want them to know? Um, gosh, that's a big question. Yeah, I'm not, I don't ask small questions. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I hope that maybe one person, one 40 year old dude like me listens and, and, uh, thinks that this isn't weakness, that this is a better way. And it's, um, I love the idea of breaking generational trauma. You know, I love that. That's uh, I didn't even know that existed three years ago. Um, and I try really hard with my children to not uh, continue the mistakes. And, uh, but no, saying that in times of stress, you go back to what you know and you have to kind of be mindful that you don't go back there. Um, and I think that's can be really hard for people that come from severe trauma, alcoholism and child abuse and stuff like that. 
can it can be hard for them to do you feel like that was your ripple or your wake up moment? Which one? I mean, I think your wake up moment was after Betsy died. Yeah, for sure. That you needed help. But what was, what was like, what is the glimmer? What is the, what is the brightest thing that's happened from you waking up, feeling and doing all this? Oh, uh, true love, for sure. For sure. I, I tell people that all the time that, um, Literally, I mean, within a month of me deciding to get help and to open my heart, Alex was there. It was crazy. I mean, it's, I can't make any sense of it other than the fact that I wasn't ready to receive until I was ready. And when I was ready, she was there. Um, and I think she feels kind of the same way that had we engaged in this relationship before, I don't, I'm not sure I would have been capable. Um, and uh, not that we couldn't have grown together and probably been wonderful, but um, until I was ready, she, when I was ready, she was there. And I'm very, very thankful and grateful um, that I had the opportunity to love and have this crazy family that I love a lot. And uh, something I would have never imagined, you know. Um, Your bonus babies. Like, uh, had someone told me five years ago, do you think it's possible to love someone else's kids? I, I probably would have said no. Uh, but not only is it possible, it's it's amazing. It's remarkable. Because um, they, don't, they don't have to love me. I'm just some dude that loves their mom. Um, and I don't have to love them. But we love each other, and it's really really special. Um, it's like a choice, you know, in some ways it's, uh, it's very different than your natural family, natural family. Uh, and in a lot of ways, it's very special. He put natural in quotations for listeners. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I, I don't know what that means. I mean, I, my, the, the family that I have now feels as natural as any family I've ever had or known. Um, your birth family, yeah, biological. Yeah. 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 And I think my kids feel kind of the same way, actually. Yeah, um, I do feel the same way about his kids. You know, when they when they choose me, like Kate called me and told me about college this week and all these, just my biggest hope for her as her mom figure, but not her mom, obviously. Like, but I, I am the female voice that she probably comes to at this point. And we talked about one of the things I felt like in her grief that was so challenging and I didn't know her before her grief. So I only knew her in grief was that I wanted her to love her body, love her life and like unapologetically live in college. Like just, she had worked so hard and she's such a smart and amazing person that I just, I wanted her to have more fun. She was really serious. And I felt like David and Betsy were both, well, I don't know, Betsy, I didn't know her very well, but pretty serious yeah. together they were pretty serious about like education and like all these things that, that are very important right intellect is important but I think they took intellectualizing and this is some listeners who know them can yell at me I might be wrong I think they took at intellectualizing sometimes to be the place that held them back from having to feel they would think out of it through intellectualizing and I think yeah I would say we read instead of wrote you know and then when I met Kate she was very similar to that she wanted to intellectualize everything with me and I just, although I really love to intellectualize as well, and I like to read, 
for me, I intellectualize through my heart, you know, like I read everything and I think of it from an emotional perspective. That's just the person that I am. And I've always been that way. Um, in my home, I was safe. Everyone was also intellectuals. So my dad is like Mensa. My mom is very Mensa. Like, um, it was a competition of who was the, the brightest and who was going to go to Harvard, like who was going to have the highest IQ. And I just early on learned I was never going to match in that game compared to my older siblings. And I just, I went heart route every time. So I became an expert at feeling and feeling, feeling other people's feelings and whatever. So for Kate, I just, I never wanted her to go to college and just spend her entire time only intellectualizing. I wanted her to be intelligent and I wanted her to, she, I knew she was going to do a career in a, in a beautiful way, but she called me this week and was like, I'm having so much fun. And I've met all these beautiful friends and we've gone out every night and had the best time. And, and I just couldn't help but choke up thinking like, she's, she's like, I just could never have imagined it to go this well and for me to have this many friends this quickly. And she went on a bad date and like, you know, all these things. And I was just thinking like, what an honor it is that I'm the person that's receiving these calls. And, and I will always hold her mother in, in highest regard and, and know what an honor it is that I don't deserve to be sitting in her, in her, this seat. It's not her seat. It is a seat around the area where her seat would be. And uh, it's a blessing when they choose you. And the fact that I get to be in a voice of love and influence, I take really seriously. And um, I'm super proud of her. She's on a talk about this by patriarchy. She made a rocket building club that she applied to get and she's going to build a rocket. Oh my yeah. God. You heard me correctly. My stepdaughter is going to be putting a rocket into space. That's amazing. So don't worry. Um, she hasn't lost her high intellect, <laughs> but she's also having fun, which I think life is about balance. And I love that. Well, I think we definitely need to have David back. Oh my gosh, I know. He's such a soulful man. And it's so awesome. Like I always want him to be a part of our app. And I not because he's my husband. And you're always like, it's nepotism. I'm like, it's not nepotism. He's just so he's so grounded. I never once said this. And I never <laughs> once knew that David wanted to be on the app. What are you talking about? You said it was nepotism to invite him to the, be on the retreat. This is oh, yeah. definitely That's this different. is definitely <laughs> one of the things that's on the list of shit I would have never done. Oh I yeah. Believe. 100%. I would have never, I would have been like, hell not just no, hell no. But I love that about him, right? Like he is, and this is what men out there should hear. Like he would have been the quintessential guy to go for drinks and talk about sports and nothing. Um, Weather. He used to talk about the weather a lot. Yeah. Sports and weather. And like now he has a hard time, you know, he can still talk about the weather. He loves the weather actually, but. I was about you to say, time. I was looking at the weather last time I was in town. I, I absolutely <laughs> love the weather. I love the things that Alex asked me to do. Um, Not e- initially. Yeah, even sometimes I'm like, eh, no, but then I do it and I've never regretted it. I, I made mean, us go salsa dancing. So we're yeah, on a trek. Exactly. This will end on this funny because it would be funny instead of so heavy all the time. Um, he's turning 50 in March. And so I've been making us do 50 things. I, I think I already talked about this. Like, joyful moments he's struggling to like have play in his life I think he's more serious than he is like playful so we went to salsa class what else have we done that was a disaster we, we were like a, we were both very, very hard, bad very hard 
It was a. I, I told her it was. It's a great <laughs> reminder to do shit outside your comfort zone, just to remind you that you are, in fact, not good at everything. The okay, truth so- is. The truth is, as we age, we only do things that, you know, we can we kind like, of do, right? And that we're good at. And that was way out. I make it. So we, you, not only that, we thought we would dance just together. So that's like at least a comfort. You're like, fine, we'll just be terrible yeah, we can together. Fuck up together, right? They made you go every partner in the room. <laughs> so I danced that night with like 40 different men. Yeah, that was crazy. Yeah. That's and hilarious. there were some fantastic salsa dancers in San Antonio. It was a lot okay, of fun. Well, I want to end with us letting the listeners know that David's coming back on. So if you have questions that you would like to ask a male on how our advice or the man's thought process on therapy and waking up, I want to put it out there for the listeners to communicate with us. Let us know, please, please, please. That's right. Um, If you've not downloaded our app, you need to. Stay tuned. We have an entire man emotional piece coming that's going to be really powerful we are working on putting men on this because we want everyone not men not just females but all people all people to be feeling and honestly it really only works you know kind of everybody's involved you know yeah very statue of liberty um feeling we can't no one can be free until we're all free I got COVID at Statue of Liberty, so that's why I'm <laughs> so, so haggard right now. Well, thank you all for having me. Okay. Wish me luck on my fifth year uh, death anniversary tomorrow. I'm going to be holding my babies tight, but I will say this to those of you who might be in deep grief, who might be in an acute tragedy that just happened, to those of you who are in long loss, I have found when you get to that inner essential part of yourself that I was referring to deep inside of yourself, that part of you knows how to heal. And I really this year realized that I often get on here and talk about sadness because it, it's unavoidable that I am of sadness and of light. But this year I am going to show everyone how unapologetically happy I am. And that does not mean I did not love my former husband. I did deeply love him and David deeply loved Betsy and we love our children and uh, we did not want bad things to happen. They just did. And in that choice, I just can tell you that healing, there's a lot of magic in it. So don't be afraid. It's more scary to hold back. Trust me, I've lived both ways. Love that. Okay, let's end our recording. This has been the Wake the F Up podcast with Alex and Jamie, a podcast about normalizing and overcoming challenges like grief and fear. Be sure to check out our other episodes where our community of experts share tools and ideas to help you wake to the life inside of you. If you enjoyed this episode of Wake the F Up, please like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And join the Wake community by downloading our app. Just search for Wake Wellness in the Apple or Android app store. And follow us on Instagram at The Wake Wellness. Thanks for listening. This podcast is produced by Caroline Pickens and the team at Fresh Picked Studio. For more information, go to freshpickedstudio.com.